Hello and welcome to season three, episode six of Duelist Unity. Hi, we'll be playing the part of Andrew today. I will be playing the part of a very enthusiastic Ray. I've been so excited over the last few weeks. We're getting messages from followers. We're seeing more and more participation online. People talking about this discussion, people bringing other people into the, into the discussion, sharing their success stories as always is always inspiring. Uh, the group chats have been growing week by week. And in general, we're just seeing a lot of change, little changes in individual lives, but those changes create ripples that go to everybody else's life. And that's how this really gets going. So we are at the beginning of a wildfire and I can definitely feel it. And I know that a lot of our listeners are feeling the same. So I'm very excited that everybody's here. And on that note, I'm just gonna make a few announcements and we'll get to our guest. The first announcement of course, is that we are starting a second weekly episode starting next week. We're going to be, I believe calling it Thursday Topics. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit shorter in that it's going to be specifically about two or three topics as voted on by our Discord community and our Patreon members. And so you can be a part of that process. Just join us on Discord or Patreon or both, and you will get a vote on what we're going to be talking about from week to week in these half hour to 45 minute episodes. And then on top of that, our Discord is over 400 members now, which is also very exciting. If you haven't joined Discord yet and you're looking for a place to talk about these insights, if you don't have anybody in your social circle that wants to talk about unity or letting go of their ego and you really have things that you want to express, join us on Discord. There are so many people there in the exact same boat and they're just waiting for you to join in and have fun with them because it really is a lot of fun when growth is a process that we can share. And so without any further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest, Logan. Uh, Logan is a licensed massage therapist. He is a social media creator. He's a gamer. And more importantly, he is relatable in the extreme. I first started following Logan uh, when I first joined TikTok. And I was immediately impressed by how easy he is to listen to. He's never trying to come from a moral high ground. He's always talking about the insights and successes, as well as the challenges. He's always saying like, this feels great. This is kind of a pain in the ass. And it's so relatable for that reason that I've just been enjoying watching his journey. And his journey in the last year and a half that I've been, or I've had the pleasure to witness it has changed dramatically, which is why I wanted to talk to you. Because when I first started watching your content, you were, um, you were talking about Dolores Cannon a bit. You were talking about spirit guides, um, angel numbers, manifestation. And I know we had a few conversations about that over time. And I've watched your content change. And recently, your content has taken an extreme right turn, let's just say in that it's so much more applicable. It's so much less, I believe in these things, because they make me feel better. And more, this is what works. This is what happens when I'm not trying to feel better. This is this new place that I find myself in. And I think you described it perfectly in, in one of your recent videos where you said, I'm just tired of reading between the lines, which was a great way of putting it, considering the typical spiritual attitude towards ruffling feathers. Typically in spirituality, you don't want to ruffle feathers. You're always tiptoeing around people, always trying to make sure they're happy, love vibrations and all of that. And so I find that message to be so indicative of how much you've changed, but there's a bunch of other ones and we'll get into that. But without, without me rambling on any further, how about you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how you came to social media and a little bit about your journey? So it, yeah, it definitely started um, when I was going through college, I think. And that's when I really started to figure out that 
I had a big ego and I wanted a sense of control. And I was living life for other people, essentially, I, you know, living a life that my parents thought I wanted or that I thought society wanted me to live. And that's really when I think start, things started to crumble for me. Um, my girlfriend broke up with me. I didn't have any friends in college. I wasn't enjoying the, the major I was in. Everything just sucked. So I was like, man, this really isn't it. And then I just kind of decided that I'm going to live my own life for me and see what works. And yeah, the journey over the past two years, especially like you said, um, into spirituality, I suppose, is it was interesting for me. It was um, it was it felt comfortable. It felt like something that I could relate to. And so that's where I started was with spirituality, angel numbers, all that, blah, blah, blah. And now, yeah, like you said, we have transitioned very recently to it just is. And that was kind of a video that you had posted about how spirituality isn't necessarily what it is, but that the universe just is what it is. And that's a big realization for me that I had to come to. So yeah, the journey has just been amazing and so interesting and deconstructing parts of yourself that you thought that the society needed or your parents need or, you know, blah, 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 through and through all that. Yeah. I, re I resonate with your journey quite a bit, honestly. And I think from before getting into spirituality, just the things like always had a very rigid sort of structured life, always sort of had this sense of control in, in the sense of like, I know if I get here, then I'll feel this or like feel successful, or this is how I achieve success, blah, blah, blah. And it got to a point that like certain things weren't doing that. And I was still in the state of constant, like running from or chasing to, and even getting into spirituality early. Like I went through the whole gambit, you know, like in, into the angel numbers. And I mean, less so that I think, but, but more so, you know, some Dolores Cannon stuff. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, this, this kind of feels good. Like, oh yeah. Soul contract. Like, yeah. All right, cool. And I wasn't really questioning anything. And I think with that, a lot of times the initial side of spirituality still gives you something to hold on to. It still gives you a sense of sort of like a sense of control as opposed to, but it's still confined. Like it isn't that freedom that you get when you question and sort of like move past that and take off the training wheels. Like I feel like I've gotten to more so now. So with your journey, with letting go of those things, were you starting to see some of the consequences of holding on to some of the aspects of spirituality? Or was it more like this just doesn't really make sense anymore and you started questioning it or like what's where'd you kind of come from with with being able to let go of those things it just stopped making sense it was um it was definitely something i created in my own head essentially um the signs and the synchronicities that everyone talks about is just something that genuinely was personal to me. It's like, and you know, the, the way that I thought about it was if I'm seeing this angel number one, one, one right now, and someone else is also seeing this angel number one, one, one right now, are we both receiving the same message or, you know what I mean? It's um, it just stopped making sense to me. And I saw so many signs, so many things leading me this way, leading me this way, L listening to tarot readings and stuff like that saying, Oh, you're going to do this. You're going to go this way. People are coming into your life, blah, blah, blah. It's just a sense of control. It's just a sense of, you know, like I said, it's just a sense of control, I think. And when it stopped making sense, I really started to just unwind. And I'm like, okay, I don't, 
I don't resonate with this anymore, but what do I resonate with? And I think Ray, you saw my TikTok about this, about how I didn't really recognize who I was anymore. It was just, it was really an identity crisis for me. Cause I was, it was all about my, it was my content that I posted on TikTok and it was something I was really passionate about and I thought could help people, but it ended up not being that way. Or at least not that you could see. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, because I'm affected by your TikToks. I've been affected by your TikToks since I first started watching them. You made one TikTok. Well, I don't remember when it was. I think it was about a year ago, but you were talking about your younger self, about your childhood self, and you were reflecting on how that child could not have known who you'd become. But looking back, if you could communicate it, you'd say, we're doing okay. And it touched me, man, because I, I, I in very much have had the same thoughts. I very much have had the same thoughts that if I could look back at that poor lost little bastard that I was at the time and say, like, it's not as bad as you think. Just keep going. I would. You know, and if I could have a dialogue, I'm pretty sure I'd be happy with who I've become. Right. But back then, we don't even know what that would mean. So don't don't assume that just because you don't see a massive ripple that there isn't one because some of your TikToks went on to inspire me to start this podcast, right? Because you're just out there slugging it out. You're out there doing your thing. You're still expressing yourself, even with the highs and the lows, even when you feel it's doing something when it's not, you're still out there doing it in your own time. In addition to your life, right? It doesn't have to be a driving need, but the fact is, is that everything we put into reality, all the energy we put out does something. It does something, right? And so if you have any time to spare, if you can do anything, it doesn't matter what it is. You want to trim your neighbor's lawn or to have a conversation with someone down the street. That is all extra. That's all ripple. It all does something. And if it's coming from that, authentic, uh, that authenticity, from that place of genuine compassion and empathy, even better. And that is what I find in your content is that your content, regardless of which direction you're going in, regardless if it's, if it's about gaming or insights or society being annoying or anything like that, it's informed by your empathy. Your, your point of view is always, I don't want people to hurt. I don't want to hurt, right? Why do we always have to hurt, right? And that in itself is the message. That, that intention to help people through their suffering is, is more powerful than any topic or niche that you could choose. I just wanted to reinforce that for you because you're having an impact. We all are. It's just that we don't necessarily see it because we're, we're busy looking at ourselves and we're looking for an impact that we think is happening. Right. right. We, we want that person to smile and go, thank you. But I'll tell you now, I've had people practically spit in my face and then years later go, thank you for saying that. Right. They didn't appreciate it at the time, but it was what they needed. Oh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think it's um, very important to recognize that being your genuine self. And I think this was something you mentioned um, on your last podcast with Jenny. Uh, being your genuine self allows other people to be their genuine selves. And I really do believe that. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had similar types of things like frustrations with, with trying to come across to people and not seeing the immediate impact, but then down the road, seeing more of the impact and it helps eventually to see that. Cause then when I see that sometimes, not that like I need that sort of validation, but then moving forward, it's like, there's less weight on the immediate impact and like Ray said, like we're always making those impacts, whether you can see it immediately or not, just you embodying that state of being is having more of an impact than you can ever even 
comprehend. And we've talked about this. We talked about this a few episodes ago. Like you could sit in a room for years and years and just change yourself or like work on yourself without even interacting with anyone and have just as much of an impact on reality itself. Because as you change, reality changes. So that has helped me a ton too, just with like trying to see those impacts. It's like, if I'm seeing any sort of impact within myself, like that is, that is more than enough. If it happens to have impact, you know, quote unquote, externally, then it's all just gravy after that, you know, but it's, it's for you. It's for me at the end of the day. And if it's for anyone else, then it's almost like it's no longer the point. Like it's, if it's not for you, what are you really doing? And people get caught up in thinking of that as being selfish. And I would argue that it's quite the opposite because it's almost, it almost like comes back to that manipulative idea and like sort of egotistical idea to think that like, you're so impactful that you impact all of these other people. And it's like, I don't know, people just get too caught up in all of that. I don't really know like what point I'm trying to make here, but it's like, it comes back to you. And if it's for you, like that's more than enough. Yeah, absolutely. And actually that goes back to something you were saying in one of your videos recently. I'm not sure exactly when, but you were talking about um, making content and that sometimes you worry about not making content that, that, that people are going to appreciate. And then finally you ask yourself, like, who am I afraid of making content for? It's all coming from me. It's all people I'm, I'm fictionally creating who are judging me. Like I have an audience of people who hate my shit and they don't exist. <laughs> They've never had a single breath in their entire existence because they're not real. And so the same is true when, when you're doing anything. You don't know. You don't know how it's going to land. What you do know is how involved you are with it. You know your intention, how fully committed to it you are. And that always dictates the ripple, not necessarily the results, right? But the impact of the ripple at the very least. So I try to focus on that. I have a question for you though, because you just recently graduated being a licensed massage therapist. And I find body awareness to be a big part of this journey. And I recently had a conversation with Dr. Aaron Moore, who we had previously on the show, I think in season one or, or something like that. And uh, we were talking about body awareness. And she asked me if I ever asked somebody how did your body affect your awakening process? And I, I'm curious to see, because as your perspective on spirituality and what is has changed, it's been while you've been focused on the body, while you've been focused on, on how you feel, on being present and in reality, how much of an impact do you think that that's had on your insights? And is there anything from that journey that you think you'd recommend other people do without having to become a licensed massage therapist? Absolutely, that's a great question. And I think you're right. I think being in the body is the single most important, maybe not that that's, that's going a little bit too far. It's very important in a mindfulness journey because when you're caught up in your head, you're putting other things on top of your things already, emotions and past traumas and blah, blah, blah. So being in the moment really allows you to sift through that in a way that is productive, I think. Like being... And I learned a lot of this from meditation. I don't actually meditate that much anymore, but what I did learn from meditation is how to be in the moment, how to be present in my body and how to just breathe and be like, okay, I'm here, I'm good, I'm safe. And then work through my emotions from that, that space. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily massage therapy, although massage therapy did give me, again, another sense of being inside of my body because 
during it for a whole hour, all you're doing is feeling your muscles, feeling energy movement, you're breathing. It's very, it can be intense. Sometimes there's emotional releases that I did feel during school. And it's just interesting when you're aware of your thoughts and your emotions, when you're going into massages or when you're going into yoga or when you're going into meditations, and then you're aware of the emotional releases that happen, they're very powerful. And so I completely agree with you. And I, that's what I would recommend to people is my, my name on TikTok now is Logi the Yogi. And that's because I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm very passionate about yoga. And I think it gets you into your body with breathing, with movement, and it helps you actually release trauma if you do certain yoga techniques, yoga movements. But yeah, that's, that's what I would say I found. Yeah. I feel like attention on the body, attention on feelings can be hugely impactful for people because so many of our emotions that we experience and, and thoughts about them is really what drives that suffering. But when you're able to just really be in the feeling and just really feel it for what it is, it almost releases the thought about it because things like anxiety or, or fear or nervousness, like there's certain feelings that go along with it. And because we're having the thoughts layered on top, like you were just saying, the, the layers on top of the feeling, we resist it or we're like, oh, I don't want to be feeling this feeling. So we're like trying to get rid of it, but then that resistance only keeps it around. And, and so if you're able to just see it for what it is, just see it as that feeling and just be like, there's nothing wrong with this feeling. This is just a feeling. It's not even really uncomfortable. It's just something that because of everything, all those layers on top of it, I'm perceiving it as uncomfortable. So for me, like, especially with, you know, a lot of different feelings and then the mo emotions that I'm sort of feeling because of my thoughts about the feeling is I'm able to just feel it for what it is. It, it cuts it down. Like it peels back a lot of those layers to being like, Oh, this is just a feeling that I'm feeling and it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with feeling this feeling and going like deeper into it and like really feeling it has allowed me to release it. So I've, I've felt a lot of connection to that and just being able to see feelings within the body as just what they are kind of allows me to then release them because I'm not having these thoughts about them because I know that those are just my perception of how it is. So it's definitely helped me too. Absolutely. I, I found the same though. For me, it was through Kung Fu, which is a totally different way of using the body, but it still requires body awareness. It still requires you to relax or especially in, in the martial art that I learned, it was all relaxation. As soon as you're tense, that's the problem. And, and your teacher will tell you you're tense. I know because I can move you. Like, that's how easy this is. Right. So I find it interesting that because I used to work with a lot of massage therapists. I was working at uh, this office where it had RMTs and chiropractors and there, there was a counselor, it was, it was a health office basically. And over the course of the couple of years that I was there, we had a lot of conversations about emotional releases, which is exactly what you were just talking about. And I find that process to be so very interesting because I've gone through it myself, but it's the process of, of getting to that point where you need that emotional release that I find so interesting because it really is as simple as just tension versus relaxation. Like when we're in a, in a traumatic uh, period or we're going through something traumatic, we tense, we lock right up and we're locked up pretty much for the entire time it's happening. And sometimes for, for a good duration after it's because we haven't let go of the reaction. And so it's just like a muscle just nodding and nodding and nodding and nodding. And, and over time, because you don't want to deal with the trauma, 
you don't want to deal with what the trauma caused. And so you kind of learn to just accept that as your lot in life. It becomes part of your narrative, just like the trauma did. And, and so it's so interesting that the symbolism of working out those knots or, or even being willing to admit that maybe you can change your lot, that maybe you can heal, still comes down to questioning whether or not you can see your trauma a different way. It's the exact same thing, right? And so I found a lot of my RMT friends found themselves being life coaches, found themselves being kind of like part-time counselors, whether they were you know, qualified or not. And they would ask me like, what do I do with that? And I would always say, just, just relate, just be human. Like we're all going through this. You don't need to be a qualified therapist to go, yeah, that sucks. That's all you need to do, right? And just learn to breathe through it as we're working together. So I think in some ways being an RMT for a certain type of client, let's say, um, is better than being a therapist because sometimes you'll go to therapy and they will just keep you running in cerebral circles, looking for that answer, looking for that past trauma, looking for that memory where it's buried in your body, right? Your mind doesn't want to go there. You've, you've developed mechanisms to avoid it for years, but man, you hit that spot in your body, your brain goes, oh, I remember this came from, and now you're right back into it. So I find that to be such an interesting process. Um, do you find yourself having to be almost like that, that dual healer role in some cases where somebody does have that emotional release and you find that the journey that you've been on yourself gives you the ability to empathize with that a little bit better? Yes, absolutely. Um, I haven't dealt with too many emotional releases uh, in my experience because I'm very new, but I have dealt with a few. And yes, you just, yeah, you're there for them. Just like you said, you relate to them. You're like, I understand that this is pain. I don't understand the pain because I didn't experience it, but I can be here for you and I can help you through it. And if you want to talk about it, then we can talk about it. And so that's it. That's really all you got to do. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I got to say, like, that's the one thing that I've always found is, is the missing piece with so many. And I'm, I'm sorry, I do call them RMTs. That's because that's I'm, I'm from Canada where they are registered massage uh, therapists yeah, no, it's, in the no, States, no licensed massage therapists. So I do apologize for that. But um, that is often the missing piece, that empathetic piece, that that part of the journey where it's like, yeah, no, my life is what informs me, not just the, the massage college that I went to. But I find that with counselors as well, that often you'll find a counselor who's all book knowledge. It's no life experience because they haven't had any life experience. All they've done is go through school. All they've done is the prescribed route. They haven't, they haven't really suffered. They haven't went through uncertainty. Everything has been crystal clear about what they're supposed to do their whole life. And yet they're trying to help people dealing with the reality of uncertainty. And that's why they find themselves lacking in a lot of ways. I, like my, my wife uh, is a counselor. She went through school and, and did her practicum and all that. And over the years, we talked about this numerous times that there were so many people who were fresh out of high school, going straight into counseling. They're mid twenties expecting to set up a practice. They've never lived. They've never lived. They have no idea what they're talking about, but they can reference a book, right? They can give you some coping mechanisms as outlined by Dr. Such and such, but that's all they do. And when you try to get deeper with them, they get insecure. And that's when they start pointing out all the cer their certifications. So being human, regardless of what your job is, regardless of what your vocation or your passion is, being human, first and foremost, I think is the most valuable thing that we can do, which is being our body, being in our body, but not what we think about our body. I think there's a big difference there. Like I spent years judging my health and saying I couldn't change it because of how I looked at myself. I wanted to see myself as doomed because I didn't like who I was. Right? And so I think that's another thing that you might find yourself witnessing more and more over time as, as you have longer, long-term clients, their life 
perspectives are going to change. And I'm stoked about the fact that you are going to be there to say, yeah, I was looking at that at one point. I was kind of in that realm too, right? And this is where it led me because that that's useful to people. Not giving them an answer, but going, yeah, I was, I was looking around there. There's some interesting stuff. Don't get caught, right? Try and let that go. Move on to the next part. Yeah, for sure. I, I found that with working with just like doing some coaching stuff and some one-on-one stuff that so much of it is just resonating with people and like putting myself in their shoes and feeling what they're sort of feeling on some level. Maybe it's not something I specifically experienced, but I've experienced something within the same realm. It's just like, this is how I went about it. These are some things I remembered, kept in mind, kept moving forward. You know, this led to this, led to this. And it's like, it's all resonating. It's all relating to the people on some level, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it may be. So yeah, I found that it's almost, it almost makes it easier in a way than I was expecting. Cause you don't, at that point, you don't have to necessarily remember anything because it's just there for you for the taking. And there's never anything that'll throw you too off balance. Cause you're not holding on to anything to remember. So it's like, you're, you're able to sort of flow with wherever, wherever it goes. Um, but do you, have some, do you have something to say, Ray? I, uh, I do. I okay. do. Something you just you just struck something uh, that reminded me of a video that Logan made recently because we we're talking about flow, and that's ultimately the realization that once you're done with all the spirituality and belief and all that stuff, it's really mastering flow state. So all we're really talking about is just getting out of the way and allowing ourselves to be life moving forward. And you're pretty much on that cusp, Logan. And I know this because you made this video and I wanted to bring it up that I am at an interesting point in my journey where I'm stuck between if it's meant to happen, it will. And if I don't make it happen, nothing will happen. And I really enjoyed that because that is the paradox, right? Because everything is supposed to happen is happening. But what do I do? If I don't do anything, nothing's happening. And what I find very interesting about that is that the answer, the trick to that paradox is what do you mean by I? As soon as you're thinking about yourself, you're off the path. As soon as you're thinking about yourself, now you're doing what you should be doing, right? So it's just flow state. Again, just moving forward. I just thought that was the most interesting statement. Sorry for for cutting you off there, Andrew. You got me really excited about that specific quote because I wrote, wrote it down and then you brought it up. Shocking. Oh yeah. I, I, I had another video that I want to bring up, but I do want to talk about this for a little bit because it's, it's like, I guess actually, you know what, this does have to do with the other video that I was thinking of, of Logan's that I was wanted to bring up here. And it's almost like that mentality of getting yourself out of the way. Logan, you had a video where you were talking about, I think it was about two months ago and it was about how like nothing really excites you as much anymore. And I think that's along the same lines of like, everything's happening as it is, but like, if I don't do anything, then nothing happens. And it's like that paradox. And it's also like, they're both outside of the typical mentality of like running from the stick and chasing the carrot is how I sort of saw it. And I think this will be a great thing for us to get into because a lot of people will resonate early on in your journey after, you know, waking up or having some sort of deeper recognitions of closer to the truth of what you are. 
a lot of people don't know what to do. They're like, well, shit, I got nothing to run from. I got nothing to chase. So what the hell do I do? Like nothing really excites me in the way that it used to, because it was always something to achieve to, to make myself feel better or become more or not hope that I don't feel like I'm less. And so it's like this very turbulent sort of thing beforehand, but then after it's like turbulent in a different way because everyone around you is telling you that like, oh, you got to do this to get there and to achieve more and become more and become your highest self and achieve your full potential. And it's like, yeah, but I, I'm already it. And like, I'm always it. So, so it's like, and they're like, what? Like, what are you talking about? No, you're not it. You're, you haven't done everything. Like, look at this person over here. They have way more money and cars and a bigger house than you. Like, what are you talking about? You're not, you haven't fully achieved anything. And it's like, is that really, that's a pretty limited idea of achieving your potential if you ask me. So I, cause I've dealt with this a lot, you know, the, the, uh, going back and forth and, and for a while I didn't know what to do. And it didn't seem like there was any great reason to do anything, but on the flip side, there's not really any great reason not to do anything. And what I came to is so much of my life, I was striving for something outside of the truth of my experience in the moment. And so now it's more so just almost like a constant state of excitement because I'm there for the thing that I'm doing, but it's not this goal or like this external achievement that brings about it. It's like the peak is now the peak of the experience is the step that you're on in every single moment, but it's a different type of excitement because you're not building up that ego as much. So that being said, you posted that like two months ago. I'm curious about since then, sort of like what you've been working through, some stuff you've maybe recognized going back and forth. Have you come to similar recognitions that I've sort of come to in the last, you know, nine months going through this state of like, I don't know what to do, you know, and figuring it out as we go. Some days are better than others. And usually as long as you keep moving forward, like you find your stride eventually. I resonate with that a lot. I think we're on very similar uh, paths in that way. But um, I think it comes from, and I actually wanted to ask you both this because I'm still kind of trying to figure it out for myself. Um, is it essentially just following your interests in the present moment, you think? Because that's sort of what I've been doing is just whatever I'm interested in, I will learn about, I will do, and I will not judge myself for thinking I should be doing something else or, you know, obviously what society or whoever's telling you what to do. But yeah, I just actually, I wanted to ask you guys if you think it's about following your interests in the moment or the, the excitement, as you put it, the excitement in the moment. Yeah, I think like, obviously we all, we all know, like there's no right way to do any of it. It's like, figuring it out. And like you said, not judging yourself too much along the way. It's just that process of continuing to go and not judging yourself too much along the way, not thinking that, you know, when you're doing one thing, like for me, a big thing, a big back and forth is like when I'm doing a lot of content stuff is not, and not as much work in my day job stuff. I'm like, Oh, I should be doing more work right now. And then when I'm doing a bunch of work, it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to be doing this. Like I should be doing more content stuff. And it's like, 
accepting where you're at and allowing things to be as they are and like giving yourself direction in the sense of setting goals and not thinking that, you know, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. It's like doing it and, and sort of being there for it and being sensitive enough to it that you recognize consequences as they come, but not overlay this idea that like, this is going to lead to a consequence, just kind of like seeing it for yourself and being willing to, you know, get bruised a little bit, if that makes sense, like going, taking something to an extent of like, oh, this is going to bring me some happiness. And then you get there and it's like, oh, maybe not. And then, and then you go back. Like for me, something that I deal with sometimes is like, I feel like there might be some consequences to doing something to like setting a goal and, and trying to get somewhere. And I'm like, Ooh, there might be some consequences at the end of that road. So like, I'm not going to go down that I'm going to go down this road. And it's like, I've been much better about being like, I don't know what's at the end of that road. I'm going to find out and it's going to inform the next path that I take. And yeah, there might be some consequences at the end, but if I don't do that, I'll never know. And I'll never learn along the way how far I can take that before I start feeling those consequences. So it's always like, you know, this back and forth of like, let's see how far this goes. Oh, here we go. Oh, bring it back a little bit. And then it's like, Oh, over here, it's like too much. And it's like being struck from like structured to unstructured to striving to build up your sense of self to recognizing that there's consequences of that too, to completely letting go of caring about anything to like caring a little bit. And it's like, I don't know, for me, it's always been this back and forth, but I've gotten better about allowing myself to experience and like see them for myself as opposed to wondering if, if there's going to be some consequences at the end of a road is like, and that's just, you know, one aspect of this whole conversation, but, um, yeah, that's helped me is, is seeing for myself where that road goes. Yeah. Had me thinking, and I apologize because I'm probably going to ramble here just for a little bit because I've never went through this before. So it's something I'm working on. Um, is it about following your interests? And, and I would say yes and no, why are we interested really is the question. Like, where does that come from? And, and this kind of stems back to a conversation I was having last week with somebody about will that where does will come from? And I, I think we are will. That's what life is. Life is will embodied. That's why everything that can grows. Life is will. And so our will is directed or, or, or informed by our level of clarity. The more clear we are, the more our will is, is decisive. And more, more importantly, the more clear we are and the more clarity we have or more awareness we have, the more our will is empathetic. When we're confused, we're very selfish. We're very greedy. And so let's assume we get all of that, that greediness and that ego out of the way. So you're not, you know you're not operating at a need. You know you're not chasing a carrot or running from the stick or any of that. You're just genuinely interested in something. I would say, yeah, that, that's the path to follow. It's either genuine enthusiasm or it is an authentic priority because it doesn't have to be fun, but it does have to have meaning to you. And if it does, it doesn't matter if it's fun or not. If it's something that you're like, this is something that has a priority, or this is something that I see is what I want to do. Consequences be damned, discomfort be damned. That's the way I'm going. Right. And that's how, you know, you're free is when you've just decided, no, that's the way I'm going. There's no reason other than that. I can, and if I decide to change, I will. Right. But it's on me. It's my life. Every moment. 
from birth to death is mine. What I do with it is mine. And if, as long as you know that and you're coming from there, yeah, follow your interest. Just don't, don't be interested out of lack because then your interest is really fulfillment and that just reinforces the lack. But if you are coming from a place of fulfillment, yeah, any direction you take is a gift to everyone, in my opinion. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, and that's a super interesting answer. And I think you, you touched on um, like where does interest come from? And it made me think of a quote that I heard the other day, like if your brain controls your body, what controls your brain? And that just made me like really think like, wow, you're right. So, and I mean, and it's essentially why I asked the question because I do think that I, I don't know where interest comes from. You know, I don't know where being interested in things comes from, but I do think it's something to follow. Um, but like you said, not out of lack for sure. Well, and I would say that it's funny because when we are operating out of lack, it isn't really interest. It's desperation. It becomes need. It's almost like being ravenous. We're just looking for something to, to satisfy us, right? But once we're fulfilled, everything is enthusiasm. Everything is interesting. You know, my wife often asks me, like, how do you remember so much stuff? I'm just really interested in everything I run across because it's all me right? It's all my life. It's all lessons that I can learn from. It's all my interpretation of what I'm experiencing. And so I take as much out of it as I can because it's on me. But I, I think that that's what we miss. But yeah, Will, right? Where does that interest come from? I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because we're not separate, which means that everything is collective will. But it's so complex in that collective will that we all have the ability to infinitely go in any direction we want. And it's still within that will. So yeah, I think that it's just, well, I think that we are just, once again, mastering flow state and that in that we're working better with the whole, or rather we're aligning with the movements of the whole. And I think that that's what our society is right now is the distortion of that frequency, the distortion of that, that alignment that would otherwise happen if we weren't defining ourselves every step of the way and going, no, I know better. I know better and damn you for disagreeing with me because that just screws up everything. Then we'd have to divide, divide lines. We have to divide nations. We have to divide everything just because we can't get along because we can't see how we're all in this together. So yeah, I think that that will is what we are. I think that the trick is getting out of the way and allowing it to just embody itself through us. That's enthusiasm. I've mentioned this numerous times in the podcast, but the etymology of enthusiasm is to be possessed by God, which makes a lot of sense because you're the whole acting until you start going, somebody judging me, and then you're no longer God. So do you think will, like the idea of how everyone thinks they have a life, not recognizing that they are life. Do you think that's sort of along the same lines as will? Like I have will and it's like, no, you are will. And as long as you have your idea of yourself in the way, it's going to constrict that will to a degree. And it's like your opinion of how you think things should be, or you want things to be, or the thing that you want, or the thing you're going to manifest is based on a very limited viewpoint. And as you get those sort of out of the way in the sense of what you want in order to build up that sense of self, it's like you begin to embody it. And what you said before with like the confusion, people are confused and it leads to things like, like desperation and greed, because all that greed is, is, is to try to build up that idea of themselves because they don't see that they're already whole and complete as they are. In themselves like they are wholeness and completeness embodied but because they're confused they think that they're not they have to go outside themselves so like there's so many 
aspects to our society that everyone sees and they're like, oh, we got to, you know, fix greed and, and just take money from here and put it there. And it's like, I understand that absolutely, but it's, there's so, it's so much deeper. It's like, why do people feel like they need all of these things that they never even use, that they never see most of the time? And it's like, because they're feeling lack within themselves, because they're confused about what they are. They think they're just this little me. They're, and they're everything. They're, they're God embodied. They're, they are life. They are will. So it's not even like, it's like we're asking the wrong questions almost because we don't see that we're it. We're, we're seeing out thinking that we have to be something else. And it's like, you're it. Like you're already there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like being in the moment. How do I be in the moment? You are the moment. Mission accomplished. Stop worrying about it. Right? <laughs> like that's pretty much it. Um, Logan, I got a question for you. As you've been going through your journey, I, I've noticed that, you know, you kind of partake of different spiritual practices here and there. You're like, oh, I'll sample that platter and I'll, I'll sample this platter and we'll see, you know, where that leads me and whatnot. Were you raised with a specific religious background or, or, or is this something that you more or less just cobbled together on your own? Um, as a child, up until I was about 10, we were Christian and we went to church every Sunday. So I was raised with a religious, like moral background, which I actually do think helped me in a way, um, in an interesting way. But since I stopped going to church and I always have, um, how do I put it, believed in something greater, but then I realized that the something greater was me. I was the awareness. It was life itself. It is here. It is now. It is me. And so, yeah, that was really big. And it actually has changed a lot of my family dynamics because my family also doesn't really resonate with uh, religion anymore. So, yeah. That's amazing. I, I was raised Roman Catholic and I know Andrew was raised in Christianity as well. And it seems to be a common thing on this continent specifically. I mean, all over the world, of course, because Christianity couldn't help themselves um, in terms of converting everybody they could possibly find at, at knife point sometimes. But I, I think it's interesting that there are so many positive messages within religion. And I know anybody listening to this right now is going to go, did Ray just say there's positive messages in religion? And yes. Yes, I did. Despite, you know, some of my issues with the practice of religion, keeping us from the God it promises us, it promises to get us closer to. The fact is, is that there are certain things like the, the entire concept of God, which I'm still on the fence about whether or not that has helped us or hindered us. Does teaching a child about God get it closer to God or disconnect it from God? And I've been wrestling with that for a while because on the one hand, I remember learning about God as a kid going, yeah, that's amazing. But that's when I started looking for help. That's when I started looking for protection. That's when I started thinking like somebody's got my back and I stopped being as responsible, right? And so I, I'm curious, um, how much of your religious background do you still hold on to? Because I noticed you mentioned it as a moral background, right? Do you think that that morality comes from religion? Do you, do you think that morality is helpful? at all? Or, or would you say that morality uh, is kind of how we've learned to structure what empathy should look like? I think you're the latter statement. I think morality is structured in a way that we, um, it makes us comfortable. You know, it's like, it's almost society's standards. 
And I say religious morality because it's it's taught that way. It's it is a religious morality. It's there's there's different forms of it, I think. Um, and religion teaches you one way of it. And I think you touched on a really good point about how religion does have good things to say in it. Um, the thing that I like to say is that like every religion has a bit of the truth, but not the whole truth. So it's it's hard to say. I, I don't think like I think morals are important for children, but then they kind of I don't know. It's hard to even explain because I do think it is society standards on what morals even are, what they should be. And so it's a hard conversation to even really have, I think. Welcome to dualistic unity. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I almost see. I think, yeah, you're a good point there with morality and, and children. They're almost, you know, like training wheels, but it's not, it's almost not even necessary to have it in the way that we do. Because if we just taught kids, like, you know, if that were you, you know, how would you feel? If, if you got treated like that person, like treat people the way you want to be treated, that whole like sort of cliche. But if, if children were more able to just do that, like once they gain this sort of sense of self, if they could just see themselves in others, that would inform so much of their actions. If they were able to see that they weren't necessarily separate and everyone else feels the same sort of ways that that they do. And I, I feel like morality, like you said, it, it does breed this sort of sense of comfort and sense, or like even a false sense of comfort or a false sense of feeling like you don't have to be as attentive to things. Like you can just check this box, like, Oh, looking back on your year, like haven't killed anyone. So I'm a good person or like went to church, you know, every week. So I'm a good person. And it's like, yeah, a very low bar and it doesn't keep us attentive to and sensitive to our reality in the moment and able to flow in the moment, like rules take us out of the flow because it's something that we're following. It's like a rigid sort of path. It's almost like, like if, if, the flow is a river rules are like, if you were to have barriers in the middle of the river, almost like uh, bowling bumpers and like you were flowing sort of like that. And the, the river is kind of going, you know, back and forth and you're just like banging into the walls and you're like, I'm being, I'm following the rules, but like, you're not able to ride with things because you're just every situation. You're like, hold on, let me check my list. And it's like, it's like, no, if you were just there for it, instead of pulling yourself out of reality, and instead of taking away that sort of natural sensitivity that we have to each other, because we are connected, like we are one mind expressed infinitely. So it's almost like morality and, and those rules that people feel like they have to follow so strictly takes you out of the flow. So it, it's like in the short term, it seems like it's reasonable, but I think long term, it leads us to you know, societies like we have right now. And although a shift in that can be uncomfortable, like all growth and change is uncomfortable for a little while, for a couple of decades, a couple hundred years, potentially, as we shift away from these, the, the need for a rule book for morals, things come full circle. And all of a sudden they, they fix themselves almost. I feel like. Well said. Yeah. I think morality 
and, and judgment are synonymous because if, if there is a right and wrong, then I can be right or wrong. And then it becomes self-defining. And, and I mean, abortion is a perfect example. Being against abortion is, is claimed to be a moral argument, but it, takes in, it doesn't take into consideration the, the mother, the child, the conditions the child's being born into, what led to the child you know, being conceived. There's no reasonability there. It's just a moral argument. And you'll see people out there, you know, waving signs and speaking through the megaphone, showing you exactly how much better they are than you because they're moral and you are not. You're just a human trying to survive in the world. What do you know about your own situation? Right? And so I wanted to return um, quickly to something that Logan was saying uh, about children. You know, when we're talking to them, we say, well, how would this make you feel? And I find as a parent that that was a very useful tool. That was a very useful tool because kids, their imagination is, is immense. Like when you ask them, like, what if this happened to you? That whole thing just played in their head and it was real, right? And so they saw, especially when they're young and then they haven't tuned that out yet. And I think that like we were saying with massage therapy, so much of our progress is made through feeling things. We, we say in our body, but there's no disconnect between the body and the mind. They're the same thing, right? That's a dichotomy that does not exist. So let's just talk about the, the experience of feeling. But our schooling system and the government as a whole, our system as a whole, isn't about feeling. Our, our schooling system is very cerebral in, in terms of memorization of concepts and facts and structures and rules. And, and it's all in the mind. It's all ter in terms of thought. And as we go through school, it's not like we're taught in grade five or grade six, you know, here's, here's some body awareness. Like we, we're, we're taught phys ed, but nobody really explains anything to why we're doing all of these things. It's like, you know, you just got to get your exercise in and get to class and then off you go. And so I wonder how much of that how much of that, that absence of feeling in our curriculum, in our culture, is leading to this disconnect that we find ourselves now experiencing in our 20s and our 30s and our 40s, where now we're, we're like trying to, to get connected to the body that we've been a part of the entire time, but somehow cerebrally separated ourselves from. So I'm just wondering, Logan, what was your experience going through school? Did you find yourself to be more scientifically minded, more artistically minded? Did you find it, that school just didn't fit for you as a way of life or a way of learning. I'm just very curious to see what your experience was like. Are you talking about um, all of my schooling, like even as a child? Absolutely. Um, school came very easy to me. Um, I always kind of thought school was a joke, to be honest. And it's interesting, like school, I feel like American school is just a structure to make like workers. It's just like, it's not, it's not, and I don't even know really how to describe this, but it's not catered to the individual um, in any way, shape or form. So I never really tried in school, but I didn't have to try in school. Um, I was just naturally gifted, I suppose you could say. Um, I was in advanced classes and all those other blah, blah, blahs, the dual enrollment, AP, all that. And I ended up getting fourth like top four in my high school class, it was fourth. But again, this it's, I never really tried. And I don't know that school is beneficial for people in today's society, but just where we're going and how I would say consciousness is expanding and awareness is becoming more aware. Um, and this information seems to be more widespread and more general to the, the general public now. So I don't, 
know what needs to be done like for a schooling system I'm, i don't like i don't have any ideas for it but i just know that the one that we have in america is not the greatest yeah and that's totally fair i mean the guy who invented standardized schooling said straight up this is too crude to be used after he invented the system and they continue to use it regardless because it's the factory system grade a grade b grade c everything's you know indicated by the year of its manufacturing or the year of its released and it's, it's really just about pumping out units and, and filling the system and so i think you're right but it's not that old i mean that system's 120 years old i, I think maybe a little bit older than that and before that it was largely master pupil that's what it was you, you went and you had a master and they taught you but they didn't just teach you they knew you as a person growing up they talked to you as a human being it wasn't just oh you failed this test jimmy here's another test it was are you stressed? Like what's going on in your life? Let's take a walk. Let, let, let's talk about what's going on. Cause obviously you're not focusing. And there was some care there because there was an actual relationship, right? Whereas now we don't really have relationships to our teachers and the ones that we do, I always find it funny how many of us will look back at our schooling and go, you remember this teacher, they were the best. And why, why were they the best? Because they weren't just teaching us. They were actually being human. That's what made them stand out. Like how bad is that? Where just the simple action of just being kind of chill makes you stand out in an environment that is built on not being chill by any means whatsoever. So I, I find that really, really interesting. And your relationship to school, I think that because maybe it was so easy for you in terms of the academics, maybe just gave you a little bit more time to work on your self-development. For, for me, I was so caught up in my life that my academics, you know, when I wasn't at the bottom of the pit, you know, we're great. As soon as I was in the pit, I in the pit again, I, I dropped. And so my teachers were always concerned about what the hell is happening to this kid? Like he's doing great half the year. And then the rest of the year, it's like, he's barely passing. And then they couldn't understand. And of course I didn't have any relationships with them. Right. The one teacher I had a relationship with was the guy who ran the machine shop and he didn't have anything to do with the rest of my life or any of the rest of my academics. Like he couldn't go talk to the math teacher. They didn't take him seriously. He was the machine shop guy. Right. And so that, that kind of tipped me off. Like if we had just a slightly different system in terms of it not being so focused on, on profitability or, or not even profitability, because that is a big part, especially in the States. I know that, you know, schools that don't perform very well, don't get very much funding. Right. Which doesn't exactly help the problem at all. But I, I think it's more or less about understanding that kids don't have to be in school eight hours a day. The only thing that we're doing there is making sure that parents can go to work eight hours a day. That's the only reason that's happening, right? And because if there were children running around the streets, we'd all be inside our work, looking outside going, why am I here? They're all outside having fun, right? And so we got to keep that shit under wraps, you know, keep, keep your nose on the screen, keep working. And I, I think that that's a big part of, of what's going to change is that as we recognize that shit, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just leads to more and more degradation of our society and our relationships and our families and everything. That we're going to start taking schooling maybe a little less seriously and start looking at personal development more seriously. My daughter is homeschooled and her, her curriculum or her course is called self-design. So since she started, it's been on her. What are you interested in? And then my job is to take that, add some context and go, oh, and did you know this? And add something else so she could take other directions. And that's it. And over the last 15 years of her life, she has gone into directions I never would have thought to go. She has learned things that I've never even considered learning, but she enjoys learning it. When she's not learning, she spends time thinking about it herself, 
reflecting on her life, talking about insights. Like she has the time to be that we never had at school. I, I don't know about you, but I felt violated and, and, a, and a little bit um, disappointed, let's just say, when they took away nap time. Nap time was by far the most useful period of school. It was when you could reflect on all the weird shit that happened for the rest of the morning, right? You could understand why that kid shoved his peanut butter jelly in, in, in your hair, or you could understand why such and such stole your knapsack or something like that. Like you could just sit down and think about it and take a break. We don't get that. I, I'm, I'm voting that we have nap time for school and work. I also vote for that. Yeah, school. I'm I'm glad we brought this up because I was actually on a walk the other day and I was looking at a school in New York and I was like, that looks awfully similar to a prison over there. And I've had that thought before. And it's so true and it's so fascinating, like how little from school that we learn actually sticks with us because we're just like shoved through. It's like a it's literally like a factory and we're like on a conveyor belt just like getting stamped, stamped, stamped. And that's what it is. Like we are machines. We are robots for the system. And especially like when I got into trying out some mushrooms I and started to see that like reality just was, it was just like blank slate. I was like, so the way things are, isn't necessarily how they had to be necessary. Like, school isn't wasn't like designed into it by reality like it was because we are reality but it didn't have to be that like we're just on earth we're just wandering around like we could just be chilling all day like doing stuff we're interested in all the time but we're we're forced it's literally a legal requirement to have X number of years at school and to people who I talk about with this, who are sort of a little bit more caught up within the realm of the system. It's the same sort of people where, when, when we're talking about like nationalism and I bring up how countries are kind of a silly thing that they're like, what? I wasn't even thinking of that when I, when I bring up like school didn't have to be, they'll argue that, well, then how is the economy going to continue running? It's like, but, well, maybe it doesn't have to the way that it does because maybe it's fucking broken as shit. And so it's like, it's a lot of times people, when they think about this stuff, it's like within the confines of what they've been taught and what they know. And it's like within a box and they're not willing to step outside and, and be like, oh, maybe the economy, the way that it is, or the way that the U S is run, like, isn't the perfect way to run a country. Maybe it's not the ideal system. Maybe it's actually super fucking broken. And we just have such a low bar that people think that it's a solid way of running things. Like if you look around, it's clearly not like there's so many aspects of it that are incredibly broken, but it's like, for those shifts to happen, I mean, they're, you know, they're always happening, but for the larger shifts, it's like things are going to come to a head. I feel like at some point it's just going to be, it almost is at this point too noticeable to stop. Like I haven't seen it to stop like looking at or to, to ignore anymore. And I haven't seen uh, that movie. Uh, what is it? Like, don't look up. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I've, I've seen the premise of it. And I feel like that it's, it's very telling of where we're at 
now. And it's like, everyone's just like closing their eyes and they're like, well, if I can't see all the shit that's going on, then everything's probably okay. And, you know, I only have probably like 60 years left or 40 years left. So like, what do I care? And it's like, yeah, that's because you're still confused about what you are. You don't see the truth of what you are and all of the aspects of the broken system are reinforcing to you that you're this limited idea of yourself. Like it's all so tied together, but yeah, school is an interesting one. Cause like, I don't remember jack shit, even from college. Like I don't, there was not a single class. I, I didn't really pay attention much because it was all just like, Hey, as long as I get like consistent B's in all my classes, like it doesn't really matter. So I wasn't learning anything because I didn't care about it because it wasn't interesting to me. And yeah, so it, I don't know. Thing, things are things are shifting, but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. At least fun to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I have another question for you, Logan, because earlier we were talking about how the transition spiritually changed for you. And we're talking right now about how the system needs a pretty good shakeup. Let's just say um, the way that, that we're doing things currently is the way that we think they need to be done because it's the way we, we've been told that it has to be done. It's the way it's always been done as far as, as, as the people who are telling us that are concerned. And, and the same is true for spirituality. People tell us the same thing. Like, no, just got to believe harder. You know, don't, don't ruffle feathers. Don't upset anybody. You know, blah, blah, blah. You mentioned that you, you broke up with your girlfriend, that your major in school didn't work out for you, and, and that you more or less had to shake up your life and, and decide to, to change things. Going through that process is never easy, in my opinion. I, I think I've started my life over probably six or seven times easily that I can remember. Um, but each and every time, regardless of how painful it's been, I have discovered a new version of myself or a new, a new level of, of freedom, realization, recognition, ease, whatever you want to say. Did you experience that as well? I know you did to some degree, but I, I would say that, do you think that it's necessary for that, that kind of collapse to happen? Do you think that it has to be a full collapse of everything just going to shit? Or do you think that we can recognize that it's, recognize the potential of it going to shit so well that we can actually change direction before it falls apart? That's a great question. I think that we can, it doesn't have to be a full collapse, but for many people it is because of how tightly they hold on to things, narratives, right? So it does have to come to that full collapse, it really does. Um, but for people who are a little bit more aware and maybe can see where their consequences, like he's like Andrew, like he can see the consequences or like he understands that there will be consequences to certain things. If you can see the consequences, then you can change your life and that collapse won't be as collapsy. If that's the word we want to use here, it won't be as hard. It won't be as difficult. Um, and I've dealt with several, as you put them, like restarting your life type of events. Um, and usually it sends you into a full spiral of depression and like, who am I? What am I supposed to do now? Like, I have no worth. I have no value, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I think it's, it genuinely needs to happen. And I think it needs to happen for a lot of people, um, because they're, they are just living in those narratives that they're so stuck to. And so, yeah, the one thing that I learned so much from losing my girlfriend, losing, or like dropping out of college and just coming back home was that I was held on to that narrative for so long. And that my most viral TikTok video is actually about um, the inner child healing. It's like the one pinned on my um, page. 
And it's about how people hold on to inner child narratives during conflict, like how their parents um, dealt with them. You know what I mean? So I just really think that, no, it's not necessary for it to come to a full collapse for you to, in order for you to change your life. But I do think that a lot of people uh, experience that because of the way that they hold on to narratives. That was a great answer. I just wanted to say thank you. And, and it kind of inspired me too, because I'm older than you guys by quite a margin. And, and my view of the world, regardless if I, if, if I like it or not, tends to be of a previous world of a previous mentality that was driving the world. And, and I remind myself daily that the world I see today is not the world that I'm perceiving. It's not the world that I think it is. And, and so at one point in my journey, I was like, it's all gotta come down. It's all gotta fall if we're gonna learn from it. But in all honesty, I don't know. And I appreciated the nuance of your, of your answer there because you were saying, I think it's kind of a mix. I, I think it's gonna largely depend on, on how committed to the illusion we are. And I would agree with that. So I just wanted to say thank you for expressing that the way you did. Yeah, I think I think that those sort of low points is an interesting thing to talk about in the, in the realm of trauma or even just going through a very difficult situation. And there's a video posted in Discord recently, uh, a guy talking about he's some sort of psychotherapist or something and how he doesn't let his kids have sleepovers because so many of the kids that he sees that have dealt with trauma dealt with them at sleepovers. And obviously he's only seeing, you know, a small percentage of the kids because the ones he's seeing are the ones who experienced it. He's not seeing all the ones who didn't experience it. So that's like one point of it. But when I was seeing that it's, it's like he, so he doesn't let his kids do sleepovers and it's, it's to avoid the potential trauma that they might experience. And I find that fascinating because it's like helicopter parenting to a fucking crazy extreme. Like, oh, there might be kind of like what I was talking about before is like, there might be consequences to something. So you just like avoid it. But what if you learn a extremely valuable lesson from that consequence you experience, or even, and I, I commented this in discord, like not to downplay trauma or difficult experiences by any means, but how many people who have woken up did it as a direct result of experiencing an extremely dark point in their life, an extreme trauma. So to think that you would keep your kids from potentially experiencing something, like even though it seems like that's what's best for them, avoiding trauma at all costs is what's best for them. You can't see the secondary implications. And yes, they may, they may even do that. And they may be part of the percentage that does experience something at a sleepover. That's very difficult, but who's to say that they won't have a tougher time for maybe a few years because of it, but then they wake up, then they recognize that, oh, a lot of this is being held on by me and by my narrative. And I'm holding on to this narrative. So who's to say that that experience that they had there isn't long-term way better for them than not having gone through that difficult experience. So I just found that to be very fascinating and going through tougher times in your life. Like so often it's, it's kind of rare for someone to not go through a very tough time in their life and, you know, wake up. Or, or recognize that they're not what they think they are or recognize that they're, there's something deeper than 
this little me or this this identity. So who's to say that those dark times and and rougher times, again, not to downplay them, but aren't when you stretch it out long enough, aren't couldn't be seen as a good thing because without that experience, the the waking up, the the recognitions that you experience, the insights that you have wouldn't have happened. They were a direct, they were a requirement in order to experience that. So when it comes, this is something I wanted to bring up today because I found that video fascinating just as it relates to going through tougher experiences. So I'm glad we're, we're just talking about that, but I think there's just so much to learn and, and to try and avoid those situations at all costs is interesting. Cause it's like, you don't know where it's going to lead or what you're going to learn from it. And it could long-term be incredibly beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And I know this uh, again, as a parent, I've met other parents who have the same policy. Our kids don't have sleepovers and it's a kind of a shame when you're a family that you know that kid would be safe with and, and that you know they're a daughter or a friend of your daughter. And, and so you're like, well, it's kind of a shame. Like they'd have a good time. We live just down the block, that kind of thing. But you can't tell them what to do because it's obviously their perspective and they're going to do what they think is right for their children, which is just fine. But what I have found is that the parents that do that, trying to avoid the consequence of trauma from sleepover, actually end up creating a lack of trust between themselves and their kids. Because now their kids who have been expressing like, I want to live, I want to feel things, I want to have fun with my friends, I want to experience the world, they're being told they can't. For their best interest, just trust me, right? And that's important as, as a parent, I admit that. You have to protect your kids, sure, within reason. Within reason, right? Like if, you, if your kid can't go to a sleepover, have a sleepover, right? Have their friends come over, right? Find a way to let them at least have some experience, but to simply say that we're gonna avoid this because there's a consequence and then not assume that that's gonna create another consequence is incredibly short-sighted. But people do that shit all the time. Like we do it all the time. We talked about this early in season one about uh, creating laws to make sure that people are responsible, not thinking that in doing so, we're teaching people to be less responsible. It, everything is half-assed backwards, right? And so it, it's really important to just remember that you can't avoid consequence. You can't, unless you're not going to move, in which case there's still a consequence. Just wait long enough, you'll see, right? And that's the point. Everything, life is consequence and risk, right? The question is, how aware are you, right? And a lot of the children or a lot of the adults that I've worked with who have had those traumatic experiences on sleepovers who have been sexually assaulted or otherwise, usually it's, a, it's because of the parents not having any awareness of where that kid was going more or less it's just the parents going yeah go to your friend's house because they don't care they go to work all day they don't know their kids right and they're, oh yeah just go don't know the parents at all i know every parent if, if my kid's going to go and spend the night at their place i know the parents i've known them for a while right if my dog is going to go meet a new friend that friend's coming here first right so i can meet them but i'm not going to limit her from having experience i'm just going to try and make sure that she has a degree of awareness when having that experience and we don't do that this is uh, an issue i had with a gary v video recently um he was talking to somebody in a crowd and they were saying you know like my, my daughter's online all the time i'm really concerned that you know she's gonna meet somebody on there who's gonna like you know basically start start stalking her or or might you know twist her mind and make them want to run away or anything like that and gary's like what you got to do is just keep boosting up their self-esteem you gotta just keep making them feel really good about themselves 
And to me, that's so dangerous because what you're doing is you're making them susceptible to compliments. You're making them dependent on that positive self-image. So all they need is somebody to come online and go, wow, you're really pretty. Wow, you're really smart. They've got you because you've primed them for that. You're not teaching them to be aware. You're teaching them to feel good, which is totally different. You might as well be a drug dealer, right? Life is not about being happy. Life is about being life, right? Which doesn't have a set mentality that you're supposed to be in at any given point. It's fluidity constantly because we're all one. We're all connected, which is why one emotion will go from one person to another person to another person, right? If you're in a bad mood, you just created that ripple, right? Well, why? Because we're all one mind. It's just an emotion traveling through our body, just like it would in our individual body. When you change your perspective a bit, you start acting a little bit more carefully, but that doesn't mean you can't act. That doesn't mean you shouldn't act because that in itself is also a choice that has toxicity and consequence. Yeah, Logan, I got a, a question for you. So like with all of this, in my experience, since going through like ups and downs and being able to see that oftentimes going through a lower period, like my attention attentiveness and awareness in it, my ability to see that there are some lessons to be learned in that has informed me on like, you know, the ebbs and flows on the way up. And it's allowed me, the more I go through it and the more I see the other side, the more easily I'm able to go into the lower points without so much resistance. And like, I wish this wasn't happening. It's like, there's lessons to be learned here. I don't feel necessarily amazing right now or a hundred percent, but I'm attentive to it. I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm not trying to suppress it. I'm just there for it. So have you found since going through, you know, like multiple ups and downs, feeling turbulence as you're navigating all of this, have you found that some of the lows and, and going through them and seeing the other side have informed you more so, and it almost makes it easier moving forward because then it's like you're not worried about whether it's a high point or a low point it's just like you just keep going and things sort of balance out because I, I know i've i've found that certainly and since being just more aware it's definitely helped but curious about your experience with that yeah i think the highs used to be really high and the lows used to be really low and when you're in that it's hard to let go. So it's, um, it seemed to be like a self-repeating cycle for me. I would be like, oh, I need to be happy again because that felt really good yesterday. Or I need to, or like if I'm depressed, I'll be like, oh, I just should keep being depressed because this is just who I am now. This is what I am now. Um, but what I found through going through so many of them is that, um, this, and this is something I actually wanted to bring up earlier because I think you two both have experienced this, is that um, I let things go so much easier now I don't like attached to them, um, the feelings, I let them be felt and then I let them go. And it's really that simple. And so I actually, I did want to ask you guys earlier, but it's, I'm glad it came back around to this. Um, have you found in your experience that you're able to let things go a lot quicker and are your highs and lows more like balanced out? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so much less judgment on top of the experience that I'm having like, and we were talking about this, uh, recently, I don't remember if it was on an episode or on Patreon, but how I used to really look forward to certain situations and like be emotional and judgmental about certain situations that I didn't think were as great, like going on 
a vacation. It was like, oh, I'm so excited for that. So excited for that. So excited for that. And now I almost feel like because I'm more attentive to the moment that I'm experiencing, like ever experience is the same as that sort of vacation experience that I used to have when I was younger, this like sort of excitement. It's just like, it's more of an appreciation for just being there, just an appreciation for being whatever I am. That's essentially undefinable in the moment that I'm experiencing. So every moment when you're there for it is, is that. And so I found that going through the ups and the downs, they have become less volatile and it's almost like a constant, it's like a, it's like that different sort of set of tracks where you're not, you know, that you're outside of the carrot and stick mentality. So when I say it's not as volatile, it doesn't mean that it's just like neutral. It's, it's almost a different level where it's more of a, on the higher side, I guess you could label it as compared to the, the super high highs and the super low lows. It's just not as turbulent because there isn't resistance or clinging to the highs or resistance to the lows. So they just, it's like being in that state of flow, just going with it as it comes with so much less judgment or so much less idea about how things should be going or how I wish things were going. It's like things are going as they are. My opinion isn't really very necessary. And the more uh, the, the louder that opinion gets, the, the more outside of the flow that I am, the less attentive, the less sensitive I am to the experience that I'm having. And then it's like, things do start kind of taking control of you as opposed to sort of being in the driver's seat and just being aware of everything that is. So absolutely it, uh, it's helped a lot just being attentive and just accepting of whatever is going on in the moment. Awesome. Um, so I've been at this for a while, uh, when I was in my early twenties and I woke up, um, I decided I was going to live in the forest for eight months. And, and so I, I did that. And the reason I did that was to practice getting out of my own way, because it's one thing to be in a city paying rent and working and, and having, you know, running water and heat and all that and kind of complaining about the, the system and complaining about people and selfishness and all that. It's another thing to be cold, wet, hungry in the forest and have nobody who gives a shit how you feel <laughs> about your opinion. Like the only person suffering is you because you're focused on your opinion of what's happening rather than just making the most of it. And so um, over the years, and I've said numerous times, it, it's just been a matter of surrendering myself, my opinion, what I think you know, how it defines me, all of that over and over and over and over again. And, and Andrew said it really well that eventually the up and the ups and downs, they're still there, but you, it's almost like you don't feel them. They're no longer ups and downs, right? It, the, the route that this roller coaster is taking is no longer the important part of the journey. It's the degree with which that I am focused on being in the ride, right? That's it. Not my opinion of the ride, but being the ride. And that's it. And this is what I was saying about it being a mastery of, of flow state. It's really all this is about is how much can I get out of my own way? How much can I get my opinion and distortion and the echoes and all that stuff and just be where I actually am. And, and this is where martial arts really helped me in, in learning that slow down, 
right? When you're going through something stressful, when you're up or, or you're down, you always want to rush the next up, right? Or you want to rush out of that down or whatever it is. But it's in the slowing down that you start to recognize you have more influence over the experience that you're having at that point, right? As long as you're rushing, you don't have as much influence over your experience. You don't have as much of a, uh, an opportunity to change your perception because you're too busy trying to escape. And so over time, I've just learned to slow down. And the more I've slowed down, the more I've realized that that meant I don't know what's coming. And then it's just having faith in myself. And that's all it's about. That's all we're ever lacking when we're worried about the future. It's because we don't think that we can adapt to it. If you don't think about it, then you're just going to wait to find out. That's really all it's about, right? Just don't think about it. Just keep moving forward. And, and that, is, that is faith. But yeah, I, I'm at a point now where my wife even gets a little frustrated with me sometimes because it's like, oh, this, this needs to get taken care of because it's a big concern and there's a bill and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And it'll just, it'll take care of itself. No worries. It's like, oh, you handled that really well. At one point you would have panicked. And, and she's, she knows me. She's been with me for 18 years. Like she will tell you 10 years ago, that would have set you off. You know, five years ago, that would have made you nervous. Now it's, it doesn't even have a dent. And, and it's just because you just continue to move along, watching your reactions to things and realizing that they're really not necessary. They're all based on assumption. They're all based on some knee-jerk response to the assumption that it's the way it used to be or that you know how it's going to work out. And so, yeah, the more I, I accept I don't know, the easier it is to just be where things are happening. That's the thing I always find funny, right? It's like, how am I going to change the future? Well, the only place it's happening is now. It's the only thing you have any influence over. You don't have any influence over the future. You have influence over now. But that depends on, on how present you are or how much of the present you are. Right? Because trying to be the present is unfortunately still the I. And I wanted to bring this up because Andrew and I were talking about this recently. So in my, my adventures and my uh, efforts to try and bring us all together, or at least to, to recognize that, that we have more in common that, than we do uh, in terms of differences. I was looking up uh, pronouns because there are a lot of pronouns out in, in, in the world right now. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere super controversial with this. Um, but because there are so many pronouns and because we identify with them, it becomes very difficult to see other people who identify differently because we're defining ourselves. And so there's a line there and it makes it very hard for us to empathize. And so I was thinking, well, that's interesting because we all share two pronouns, I and me which I was quite happy with. I was like, yeah, that's not bad. All right, sweet. Then I looked a little deeper. I and me aren't the same thing. I is a subjective pronoun. Me is an objective pronoun, which means that the relationship between the observer and the observed is right there. I am not me. I am never the object. I is never me because I is everyone. I is everything right? Me is just this character. So I, I thought that was, that was really interesting. But again, it, it goes down to, we have so many similarities, but our labels, they cut us off. Our labels, they, they keep us from seeing that we're part of everything. And so that's another thing that's helped me find more of this, this flow state over time is there is no Ray. There is no me to have an issue with what is happening, right? It's just, what am I going to do now? And that always comes down to my level of clarity or self-awareness, right? This is why people who, who know me well know that as peaceful as I am, and I am, I, I like getting along with people. I don't like ruffling feathers as, as a whole, 
I'm the worst person to try and put your shit on. I am the worst person to come down on because immediately I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. That's just not the way this flow is going because it doesn't feel right. I know where that's coming from. And so the direction changes, but it's not because of some preference. It's just because I can feel that. I can feel where that's going. We're not going that direction today because that's on me. That's my responsibility, but that's not a self-definition thing. I don't have a preference. It's just a matter of faith in myself and sensitivity. Have you ever taken any martial arts, Logan? I did. When I was in middle school, I took Ken Po for two years. Um, but that that is the extent of my martial arts. I've always, um, and more recently, I started boxing just on my own um, bag. But I want to get into like a gym and start actually boxing more. I think boxing is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. The balance, the footwork, you know, the focus on, on what's happening right in front of you, for sure. Martial arts are, are incredible that way because they really put you um, in a position of being aware, but they do so under pressure, which is something that I don't find yoga ever did for me. Um, it was more of, I can relax into this at my own time, at my own pace, things like that. Whereas when I was take, taking Wing Chun, you'd have somebody throwing punches at your face, right? And then they're like, relax. Oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. As the punches keep coming at my face. And so for me, that was, that was a much more applicable way to learn a lot of this. I think that is something that's helped me over time to let go is, is the recognition that very much like when somebody's throwing a punch at your face, if you tense up, you're not going to react very well. You're not going to react very quickly. You're going to react in fear, right? And then that person's going to throw you around because you're all rigid and tense. And, and the same is true for life. Like if you if you white knuckle it, you're going to get hurt. You have to learn to flow, right? And this is why Bruce Lee's whole thing, and, and again, a practitioner of Wing Chun was, you know, be like water. You know, no way as way was his entire point. Right, which is what this is all about. And, and, and as, as a licensed massage therapist, I got it right that time. Do you find that as you're practicing, as much as you were taught certain techniques and strategies, that your intuition actually helps you more in the situation of giving a, a client a session in terms of finding that, that tension or that spot of tension, finding where that pain is? I don't know if you've had any experience with Reiki, but I, I know there's been uh, a lot of kind of sublingual communication that happens within a Reiki session. So I'm just wondering how much of your own body awareness do you find interjects over the structure that maybe your schooling taught you? It's a really interesting question. Um, my intuition definitely takes over. I mean, it just is, that's how I massage essentially, because a lot of the times clients won't understand where they're actually feeling pain. They say, oh, I'm feeling pain here. And you're like, oh, but you're tight down here it's just because the body's so connected and it's, it's interesting because everything is so connected and people don't realize actually how connected their body is from your foot to your neck is connected with myofascial like tissue. So it's, yes, I would say that my intuition definitely helps me when I'm taking using different techniques. And I still do follow kind of in a way um, just because you sort of need to, to get a full massage done in an hour, you have to do certain things on certain times. But that being said, it's very intuitive. My hands know which muscles are tight, which muscles need to be worked on and how to go from there. And I think that's actually what makes me a very exceptional massage therapist for being someone who recently graduated. And I think that I'm real, that's why I'm like really excited to just continue to learn because eventually it's just all knowledge and intuition, but it's all in my hands. It's not in my brain. It's all in my like actual hands, which I think is so valuable and so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like it'll be really cool for you when you have 
a few years at least, or like, you know, five, 10 years. And it's like, you, you've gotten through all the structure of it and it's all there, but you don't need to like think about it anymore, you know, and you're just like doing it. So it seems almost like it's unstructured, but it's all there. And it's almost like at a, just like a fucking another level. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be awesome. But with the, uh, it's funny, this has nothing to do with massaging, but with the structure piece, when you brought up how it's all intuitive, but you need some structure cause it's like confined to an hour. And I thought of that with sort of my process of like going in and out of being structured and then like not being structured and then coming back full circle to being structured. Like I grew up very structured and rigid goal oriented. And when I realized that, oh, I'm, you know, more clearly realized that I'm whole and complete as I am. Like I, I let go of almost all structure for a few months in the fall. And I was able to come sort of, so I think of that almost like on the intuitive side, but then I recognized that I would get done with the day and like, I wouldn't have done jack shit that I sort of wanted to get done. And there's a lot of different things I wanted to get done, but because I didn't have any semblance of structure, it's like, there was, there was nothing that got done. And then it, it came full circle where I wasn't doing anything because I had to, because I, I needed to fulfill myself. It was because I wanted to do these things and I had to implement some structure to that in order to do so, but I could still have that intuitive sense within the structures that I put in place because I wanted to, but it wasn't out of a sense of need. So I think that's just an aspect that everyone can benefit from is seeing what works for you. And some people like need more structure. Some people do better with less structure, but it's not a one size fits all for anyone, whether it's, you know, massage practice or living your life and, and organizing your day. So finding that balance of it is super important. So question for you, Logan, like how have you found that? Like, do you naturally tend towards being more structured, less structured, more intuitive, just like in your life or with certain practices or aspects of your life? And how have you found balancing that? And like, have you gone a little bit back and forth of like being more structured, not being more structured, whether it has to do with waking up to the clearer truth of what you are or not? I'm just curious about your process with that. Yeah, I, I had actually written this down um, a lot earlier, both of the things that you just brought up, uh, structure and balance. And it's so important. And I think I would preach balance until the day I die. But I think balance is, is so interesting to talk about because balance is different for everyone. My form of balance will obviously not be your form of balance, right? So um, yes, I am more go with the flow type. I don't really like structure and I never really have but I'm starting to realize and recognize that I need a lot more of it in my day-to-day life because of the, because like, it's kind of like you said, like you realize at the end of the day that you didn't really get done what you wanted to get done. And um, that's just my own hyper-focus on some certain tasks and things that I do in my um, own day-to-day. So finding balance has been one of the most interesting and probably my favorite part of this journey so far just because it's so different for everyone. And my form of balance will never like even make sense to other people, to be honest. So I'm starting to, yeah, have more structure in my life because I'm starting to have more like a stable job. I want to start making TikToks more consistently, less sporadically, just whenever I feel like it. 
And yeah, I think it's just important to have a little bit of both, a little go with the flow, a little bit of structure. And, you know, that's probably the, the key, just balance. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. And again, I'm going to relate that back to uh, Kung Fu. You learn the structure because it teaches you the fundamentals. You learn the structure because it teaches you where you're weak and where you're not. It teaches you where you're strong and, and, and where you're tense. And so they're all just lessons along the way because you don't really have any, any guide in life. Like nobody is born with a manual saying, this is how you do this. It'd be nice, but it doesn't happen. And, and so it's always about sensitivity, which is awareness, which is not assuming things. So it's always the same process, right? But that balance comes down to us. Like there are students that I've worked with who all they do is structure. It's all they have. And they're very, very good at structure until something they're not used to happens. Then they have no idea what to do. And so my job as a teacher was to throw that at them as often as I could. Right? let them get into a routine that they knew and then through some, throw something they didn't know. And immediately they would struggle, they'd get frustrated, they'd go through that whole process of identification, but the brain had already changed. The brain had already went, oh, it's something new and learned from it. And what's so interesting is that we get in the way of that happening, right? We start to judge ourselves, like, oh, I need to get more structure or I need to get less structure or anything like that. And it's, it's already happening, you're already changing because you just saw the consequence, right? It's like, it's kind of like the flame if you don't want to burn yourself recognize the flame is hot right don't tell yourself it's hot recognize it's hot and you will immediately avoid the flame well the same is true with finding balance right it's recognizing when you're imbalanced it's recognizing when you're here overextended right and that's when you naturally learn to pull back on your own so for me for example if you and, and andrew knows because he's been to my house my office desk is just a mess brutal. If I was to take this camera and look and show you what's happening in front of me here, you would go, damn, Ray, what the hell? But if you were to look inside my mind, everything is crystal clear, you know, like fiber optic lines, man. Everything is just organized to shit when it comes to what leads to something else. And it's because that's where I spend most of my time, right? Is going through all those fragments that didn't make sense. That's where I spent most of my time house cleaning. That was the structure I needed for some time until finally I could just get it out of the way and, and, maintain an awareness of how that works, of how the room was organized is how things worked, right? But at first it was, oh, am I judging myself? Oh, am I being needy? Am I being present? Am I making assumptions? And it was all this, this, this structure of questions, right? Trying to lead yourself back to the moment. Once you feel the moment though, you know when you're in it, you know when you're not, you know when you're getting distracted, right? Well, the same is true with even building a structure. Like, so at my work, I'm very structured. For my job, I'm ridiculously structured. Everything is done in a certain way because I know it needs to be done that way. That's just how it's happened over time, but I wasn't always that way. I had to learn that way by being a little lazy, having consequence, right? Or, or you know, going overboard and being too structured to the point where, again, something happened I didn't expect and I couldn't dance because I was so busy focusing on everything I've rehearsed. So there's always that balance, but you're right. Nobody's ever going to understand your balance. Nobody's ever going to be able to see it from your perspective. And what's worse is that if they ever did, and this is true in long-term relationships, your balance is going to change over time. I'm not the same person I was when my wife met me and neither is she. So as, as her balance has changed and my balance has changed, our collective balance has, has had to change as well. 
right? And so there's a lot of that in relationships and friendships and so on and so forth. On that note, I just wanted to mention quickly to everybody who's listening to this right now that we actually do have another workshop coming up. The date is not confirmed yet, but it is in a workshop on authentic relationships. It's all it's going to be about, whether it's romantic, friendship, family, doesn't matter, work relationships, relationships as a whole, and the role of authenticity within those relationships. And so that workshop will be coming up. We're going to announce the date sometime in, in August. You can subscribe to our newsletter on the homepage at dualisticunity.com. Uh, last announcement, of course, is that the retreat is coming up in November, November 12th. 220th. We do still have some tickets left. If anybody would like to join us, just go to dualisticunity.com. If you have any questions, just ask us in Discord. Before we wrap up here, gentlemen, because we are coming up to the hour and 40 mark, I did want to ask uh, just a quick question of you, Logan, in terms of what can you leave us today that may help our audience in dealing with enhancing their body awareness or finding maybe some strategies for getting out of their head what what do you think or what do you feel has worked best for you and what would you suggest to somebody who doesn't necessarily spend a lot of time in their body where they do spend a lot of time in the philosophical or the cerebral what's what's worked for you the thing that i found to be most helpful in my journey is actually breath work um and not even advanced breath work i don't know what they're called i don't really even do many more than three of them. Um, I do the Wim Hof method, which is just breathing in your nose completely, breathing out of your nose completely, and then like holding your breath on the on a breath in. I do breath of fire, which just gets my energy going. It's you know gets very, and then I do um what's it called the four seven three breath. I think you like breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for seven seconds, and then you breathe out for three seconds, or it's something like that. It's not the correct numbers, but it's something very similar to that. And I found that immediately it gets me out of my head because you're focused on what you're doing. You're focused on your body right here. So that for me was huge. And it's actually the thing that I learned most about meditation is when I was doing breath work with my meditation, I was getting the most out of it. And I don't necessarily like to just sit and meditate anymore. I think it's kind of unproductive in a way, but I think it's beneficial for people who are stuck in their mind. Um, meditation and breath work. And I'm not sure how much more else to expand on that other than we, a lot of people who are traumatized or maybe not even traumatized is the right word, but a lot of people who go through, I'm going to stick with traumatized just because it makes sense now. They shallow breathe. They, they just breathe um, just very, like you can even, you know, you can't even feel it. So I think that coming back to your body and coming back to recognizing how important it is to breathe fully is just the most that's what I'm looking for. It's the most beneficial thing for getting out of your head and into your body, in my experience. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I think anytime, like everything happening in the body, around the body, things you feel like they're all happening now. So whatever you can sort of tap into as sort of like an immediate release of, of whatever you're getting caught up in, it's like what well, you can smell. It's always happening right now. What you, what you can see is always happening right now. Your breath is always happening right now. What you can hear is always happening right now. So I love utilizing the senses, utilizing the breath when people are like really caught up in all that stuff. I think it comes to a point where, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to thinking, it's all has to do with the idea of yourself that you cling to. So the more you can let go of that, it like, there isn't as much to latch onto, but 
I love, yeah, tapping into my breath and just being aware of, of it here and there. And I do it now, like, you know, when it comes to meditation, when it comes to any of these practices, I just do it for fun because it's, it's kind of fun to tap into and it's, it's not necessarily so much out of, out of a need for it anymore, but it, it can be nice. And it's kind of doing breathing exercises. Like they feel good. There's aspects of it outside of just being attentive to the moment. It's like, it, it's kind of like gives your body different feelings and it's, it's fun to do. It's fun. Like it is for me to, I don't know, go play, pick up basketball with some friends. It's like breathing exercises are kind of like on that level. Now they're just a good time. Another, another enjoyable thing to tap into and to be able to tap into whenever you want, because it's fucking free <laughs> is the other aspect. It's like it doesn't cost anything, but it's a cool experience, just like any other cool experience that you might have to pay for. Nice. That was well said. I want to add something here quickly because as we're talking about all of this individually, of course, I'm thinking about it collectively as we're talking about getting out of our head and how that helps our sensitivity to our body, which ultimately helps how well we take care of our body, which helps our relationship to reality and our perception of reality. All of it is tied together. I think it's so very important to recognize that as we're going through that process, our role within our collective body is likewise changing, that we are a part of, I guess you could say, a larger muscle that's unwinding or relaxing, right? And that there are so many of us in different muscles or organs in our collective being that are going through that process, but it is a process. And it's a process that is only hastened by each of us individually taking responsibility for that sensitivity, for that balance, for that ease. And, and I just find it amazing that there is so little that we actually need to do in terms of changing the world and so much we need to do in, in terms of just being ourselves and learning that that's kind of the name of the game. That's what this has been about this entire time is being ourselves and that our world or the world that we live in has largely forgotten that in the same way that we did when we started getting tense going through school or that we did when we started identifying and we did when we started white knuckling it through life that our culture is very much a car full of people white knuckling it. And there's a few of us in the back going, we can relax, everything's fine, right? And so we're collectively changing the mind of us going through that, that journey in that car. And I just wanted to say, Logan, I really appreciate all of the work that you do. I appreciate all of the back and forth thing that you go through in your own life wondering, am I doing something worthwhile? Fuck it, I'm gonna do something worthwhile. And, and I enjoy watching that and the fact that you share that with us because that's what we're going through. And I think if I'm gonna leave you with anything, it's going to be, don't even think about it. Just do. Trust yourself because people like you, the mentality that you're in, the mentality that you're exploring, that is the ripple. That's all we need. I mean, you're helping more than you will ever, ever know. So don't even try and think about how much you're helping because that's going to limit how much you're helping. So on that note, we're going to wrap up here. I do hope if you do get the chance to join us at this retreat in November that you can. If you can't, of course, we're going to be doing future retreats uh, next year and in the years beyond, but we would love to see you there. And of course, if you're there and you happen to be offering massage, that would be great as well. Um, this retreat coming up, we're going to have some Reiki. We're going to have a little bit of Wing Chun Kung Fu. So if you can make it, I'll, I'll be happy to teach you some of that because it goes very much in line with the sensitivity that you've been talking about. Um, I do want to ask one more question from you, Logan, before I let you go. And it's about detachment because through all of this, we've, we've talked about you know, getting out of our mind and, 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 and so on. But 
the biggest journey, or at least in my perspective, is surrendering who we think we used to be or surrendering who we think we are. Do you find that you have any tools specifically when you're taking yourself super seriously, not, not coming back to your body, but just a way of stopping yourself and reminding yourself that what you're thinking is not the truth? Is that something that you find that yourself doing, that you're challenging your thoughts at all? Or, or do you find that it's more or less just coming back to reality through the body awareness? I, I do think for me, it's coming back to the body through awareness. Um, I used to believe that, and I'm still kind of on the fence about this because I've heard that our brains are considered like transmitters. So anyway, the, I, I'm like trying to figure out if our thoughts are our own. You know what I mean? If, if that, like, I, oh, it's so hard to really dive into because I do think that I have some thoughts that don't necessarily come from my brain, but that seems so silly to say. And then I do have some thoughts that I'm like, yeah, I definitely created that one. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. Um, so for me, yeah, just the awareness of the body for me, getting back into the moment, realizing I'm okay, I'm here. Like whatever is whatever you're perceiving is going bad or going wrong isn't actually, or it's definitely not as bad as you think it is. So yeah, it's it's just awareness of the body for me. And I've I've come up with a lot of different techniques for myself. And it was mostly actually what Andrew said about um the senses. I, I like to feel like my my body a lot, I feel my surroundings, I hear my surroundings, I see my surroundings, and I'm like, I'm here, I'm good. So that's really what it has come down to for me. Yeah, uh, I like I like what you say. We could we could extend this for a whole another two hours with that statement that you just said. Are they really always your thoughts, <laughs> and is it coming from your brain? And my question would be, where where are you? <laughs> and could it be that is it even your brain, or is it just brain that you've identified with? So yeah, there's a, there's a fucking can of worms right there, but I know where that was like last question of the episode, but yeah, that's what we love talking about is questions like that. So yeah, it's, uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This is an awesome chat. Uh, I think I resonate with you a lot and I think we're at, you know, similar points to this whereas you know ray's been at it for a while and and we're relatively new kind of figuring shit out going through the turbulence but yeah one step at a time one moment at a time and uh i'm in i'm enjoying the ride so appreciate you being a part of this episode with us man and i look yeah. forward to chatting with you soon absolutely me too it's been such an honor to talk to you guys your minds the way that they work i'm i'm very inspired by the the, the content that you make and the things that you say and how you help people so I just want you guys to know that you're very inspiring to me. Um, yeah. And it's been great. This is such a wonderful conversation. I, I don't have conversations like this with anyone. So it's been very enlightening. Likewise. Likewise. I knew you'd enjoy it here for sure. Just from the content that you make, it could tell that you'd fit right in and dualistic unity. And we do have a growing community. I do encourage you to check out the discord. Of course, we're going to be sharing this link and your content with everybody that's on there. So if you can pop in and say hi, that would be fantastic. Um, I do want to comment quickly on, on the idea of, of thoughts not being yours. Um, I think you're right. I, I think that thoughts just are. All thoughts that could possibly exist do here and now. And they're not owned by us. They are just perspectives of what is. None of them are what is. 
they're just perspectives of what is. And if you can just keep that in mind, then it's very much just like, you know, walking down the street and smelling a flower. Like, oh, and that changes your experience. But if you, you're not going to go looking for that flower and analyzing it in detail, you're just going to take what, the, what you can from that experience and move on. So on that note, we're going to stop babbling right now. We're going to end this episode here. Thank you, everybody who could join us. We always appreciate it. Of course, we will see you next week for episode seven. We do have a free group coming up this Wednesday, every first Wednesday of the month. You can register at dualisticunity.com. Thanks again, Logan. We really appreciate you being here. Take care, everyone. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Ron.